Hey guys, this is Eric. Hey, this is Luke. Welcome to the Be Excellent Podcast. And we are sponsored by Valiant Coffee Roasters. Yes. Well, okay, technically we're not sponsored by it. We are Valiant Coffee Roasters. We're paying for ourselves to sit here and do this. <laughs> we're spon- We're sponsoring our own time. So cool. So today, welcome. We are doing our first in a series of podcasts on roasting. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the history of coffee and, uh, particularly as it pertains to coffee roasting. Um, so let's begin. Luke, what was your, well, here, let's just pause there for a second. We want to talk about where coffee came from and kind of our experience learning about where coffee came from and how over the years we've kind of learned more, we've studied more and, uh, come to the place that we are now. So, uh, Luke, you were actually the first person to tell me the story. Can you recount the story of the origin of coffee? Absolutely. So, probably the most traditionally held story about the origin of coffee is that there was a goat herder named Kaldi, Kaldi. in the Ethiopian region. And Kaldi was, you know, your typical goat herder. He just What's a goat herder? Um, it's a Go guy, um, probably shirtless, with <laughs> sandals. <laughs> this is very historically accurate. Um, like me on a Sunday. Yeah, he's just warm, you know? And uh, he has long, flowing black hair, <laughs> obviously. And uh, pecs and abs. <laughs> Sounds like... <laughs> he's essentially a Greek god. Um, no, I mean, he's he's probably a kid. You know, he's probably a, a young man finding himself um and he's out there tending the goats uh with a staff hopefully he has a stick or a weapon that would be pretty pointless seeing as this is the time when lions and stuff would pounce upon you unexpectedly (laughs) but his job was you know protect the goats protect the herd keep the keep them together i think goats are a little bit more independent than sheep so he probably had a little bit tougher job keeping so them all together. So goat opposed to shepherd. Yeah. So goats instead of sheep. Goats instead of sheep. Okay. Uh, if you're not familiar with African culture, goats are a really big part of the diet even today. Okay. Uh, when I went to visit Uganda, which is just a couple countries south of Ethiopia, uh, a lot of goat on the menu, and it's fantastic. It's very gamey, nice. uh, not as much fat. When did you go? When did you go to Eth- uh Oh, not 2006 Ethiopia. and 2007. Jeez, I went back to back years. Oh, don't remind old. me. I need to go back. It's beautiful. Cool. Beautiful place. Um so goat is a little bit more common than here or the European countries or um Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh very 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 easy to raise goats because they can eat just about anything. And Okay. They because they can't eat about anything, they're a little more independent to run around and find whatever they want, which leads us to their discovery of the coffee cherry. Way to go, goats! So, really, goats were the way that this guy discovered coffee, he probably would not have done it on his own. Um, so he saw his goats just being all rambunctious and jumping around and they seemed to have more energy than usual and he kind of wondered what the deal was and 
he noticed that they had gotten to a clump of trees slash bushes. We we call them coffee trees, but if you've ever been to a coffee farm, they're more what a Californian American would call a bush or a shrub. A shrub, yeah, yeah. Because we think of trees being like really tall and with a massive trunk and um, very distinct trunk root, and then branches. Uh, and and a coffee tree is just a little bit more shrub like, so lower to the ground, lower, lower to growing, the ground, yeah, bigger leaves. They they grow really well in the shade, okay. like partial sun, so that prevents them from getting really high. But they can, sure. um, if tended that way. Sure. Um, I have a tiny coffee tree at home, and it's it's a bush. It's not can, a tree. <laughs> you can find the beans from that tree on our website www.valiantcoffee.com. One bean, it's twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> just kidding. You can't find it, but no, you maybe can't. someday. Anyways, back to Caldi. Caldi had goats. The goats saw the shrub. The shrub had cherries, and the goats did. They ate the cherries. And so he, you know, figured if the goats eat it, it's probably safe for me, which is usually a good bet with domesticated animals. Yeah, Yeah. most things that domesticated animals eat, we could eat in a small quantity. If they can eat it and I can eat them, then I can eat it. Yes, Uh, which... Shout out to Abraham Lincoln. It's his birthday today. Hey. His mother died of milk flu, which is caused when a cow eats too much of a particular plant, the name of which I'm forgetting, but this plant is poisonous to humans and it can be trans the poison can be transferred to the milk. Is it that potato plant? Maybe. I don't remember. But yes. This milk tastes like the cow got into an onion. If you consume the animal's product, it's probably safe that you can consume what it's consuming. Eric's losing it right now. <laughs> Sorry, I keep making puns. Caldi ate the cherries. He got hyped. And if you've ever eaten straight coffee beans or eaten green coffee, Ugh. you get the maximum amount of caffeine because it's just sitting Ugh. there in your stomach and you get everything that's lost in the coffee grounds when you make a cup of coffee. So he probably really felt the effects. Obviously, he never had caffeine. Mm. And for those of you who've been off caffeine and then back on, you really notice the effects of caffeine. It jacks you up. So he probably got hyped. Yeah. Why did he get hyped, Eric? Tell us about caffeine. I I don't know what to say about that. Besides, caffeine is an alkaloid (laughs) that increases metabolism. I don't know. It it releases the adrenaline. It causes your adrenal glands to release adrenaline. And if you drink too much coffee, you'll get adrenaline burnout and your adrenal Ooh. glands get tired. Or re- renal glands, I think is what they're called, not adrenal glands. Anyways, we'll edit that out because I sound like an idiot. No, but you did have something to say about caffeine, which I knew you would. Did I? Yeah. You just told us what it does. I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, you did. Caffeine, what? That it, it stimulates your body. You, you can want, say that you want me to say it makes you poop, huh? It makes you poop. <laughs> yeah. So there's this, <laughs> the story of Caldi. The, one of the three, I didn't know there was multiple stories. So Caldi was one. Luke introduced me to that story like eight years ago-ish. I didn't know about yeah. it. Um, and then in my, my studying, I found another story about this guy named uh, Sheikh Omar. Uh, he was a... He was a, a Sufi mystic in Yemen. Um, Omar, he had some 
I don't I don't know exactly what happened, but he had his master, and he did something, and it got him cast out from the from the city. Oh wow! And so he was hiding out in this cave, trying to survive, eating whatever he could find. He found these cherries, these plants, and he's like, oh, he's you know I'll eat these. So he put them in a pot, roasted them over a fire, and smashed them up into a paste, and then made a drink out of it, and it gave him energy, and then. Reportedly, after he drank that coffee, he could go into the city and like heal people by praying for them or something crazy. He probably just prayed really fast and loud, so they thought yeah, it was yeah. working. <laughs> exactly, and it scared the crap out of him. And yeah, they were just constipated. That was the problem. Yeah. So I don't He's know. He's like, drink this, and then, <laughs> then there's they felt um, better. Well, so there's him, but the actual first record of coffee consumption, like written record comes from Sufi monasteries in Yemen. Uh, coffee was harvested, roasted, the cherry and all, like in a, in a pan, over a fire. Um, and it became a thing. They started consuming it in the monasteries and then spread and proliferated from there into coffee houses. And uh, uh, from there, it went to Egypt, North Africa, and in the 16th century, thanks to the Dutch East India Trading Company and the, um, the East India Trading Company from, the U- from, at the time, Great Britain, England. I don't know what they call it back then. I'm not a history buff. Uh, but in the 16th century, they started introducing it to Europe. So they, did, they began to trade with uh, uh, you know, traders in Yemen, uh, specifically at the port of Mocha. Um, and at one point, the Dutch were the first to get the seedling cherries, or the seedling coffee plants, out of the Port of Mocha. They transplanted it to the island of Java, started growing. And that's where we get the name Mocha Java, right? The first, that was the first blend of coffee, Mocha Java. It's amazing. Crazy. 16th century. So a blend, almost 400 years old. So... They did good. story on the blend is they would transport it from the island of Java, stop in Yemen at the port of Mocha, pick up more coffee, and on the way back, the sailors would mix the beans together and drink it. And that's the Mocha Java blend. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, regardless, I guess, of the origins of coffee, whether it's Kaldi or Sheikh Omar or Sufi monks in Yemen, uh, regardless of the origin... One thread stays consistent in all of my research, and that is that roasted coffee, so cooked coffee, has been historically favorable to brewing raw coffee. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Raw coffee tastes really bitter. Um, It's kind of got like a, I don't know, like a tea-like flavor. What was that one we we made the other day, and there was a, a flavor we kept noticing. Yeah, it was like grass. We literally just ground up halfway cooked green beans, right? Yeah. We roasted we roasted some green coffee to maybe 250 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, you almost it. couldn't tell it was roasted. Yeah. And it ground when you ground it it came out like green powder. Like kind of looked like green tea yeah. when it was brewed, right? Yep. Yeah, so that was pretty disgusting. It was terrible. Give me But if you never had roasted coffee, it might taste good. Totally. Let me ask this question sure. that I thought of. This is totally off script. But you know how these days everyone is 
concerned with how the narrative of especially politics but um our country right mm-hmm. people will think about how will the narrative be remembered in history sure and how much is that narrative being controlled by the people at the top mm-hmm. do you think that the narrative of coffee has been controlled or affected by the people who controlled the industry at the time, such as, like you mentioned, the Dutch East India Trading Company. Do you think that the history, quote-unquote, history that we have in our in our searches and in our mind is just something that they kind of came up with and pushed that narrative? Or do you think it's totally different? Totally possible. Um I don't know if any of you have watched the show on Netflix, The Last Kingdom, uh, but it's about how England becomes united yeah. into... It's awesome. Well, actually, all these different kingdoms get united into this thing they call England, um, and Alfred is the king, and it's historical fiction, so it's not true, but there's one thing he says, which is uh, the things that will be remembered are the things that are written down. Yeah. And so he spends a lot of time and energy writing down history, writing down what's going on, literally recording everything that happens in this country. Um, so to your point, uh, you know, I referenced the, the Sufi monasteries. Well, that was the first thing that was written down. They wrote it down. They wrote it down and they yeah. recorded it. So Caldi didn't whip out his cauldron notebook and start journaling. <laughs> nope. Caldi didn't Guess know how to Guess what I write. found today? Yeah. Some coffee beans. So... Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. Um, and definitely, up until the 16th century, even those first hundred years of training, uh, trading, um, when the Dutch were trading, you know, they were only getting roasted coffee. So they weren't they weren't getting green coffee and taking it back and roasting it. They were getting roasted coffee from these from people the traders in Yemen, in Yemen and stuff. And those traders were roasting the beans so that they could control the market. So they roasted yeah. the beans dark to kill the seed because the coffee is just the seed of the of the plant. If they gave the Dutch the green coffee, they potentially could go plant it somewhere. Totally. So yeah, the idea true. was control the market, which is what you're asking. You know, yeah. They controlled the market and they sent it back and um, that was that was kind of where French roast came from as we know it. You know, French Burned the heck out of it. Yep. So, yeah, I think... It's a possibility, but we can only go off of what we know. Yeah. You know? And uh, for those of you listening, my oldest record that I could find, you know, there's probably better places to look, um, but I found a great reference. Uh, it was this book uh, called, let me see if I can find it real quick, All About, <coughs> All About Coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this awesome guy, book. let's see, William H. Euchers? How do you say that? Euchers, I guess? William H. Euchers wrote a book in 1922. So just for reference, they started trading in the 16th century. And he wrote this book in 1922. That's like 400 years later. A little bit of a gap. Small gap. Um, But it's 862 pages. And he has done a really good job. Uh, communicating the history of coffee throughout the world. Um, one of the earliest publications that I could find um, doesn't mean there isn't stuff before, but sure. I just don't know how to find it. Probably like Smithsonian Institute has a bunch. Excuse me. But, yeah, I'd imagine, you know, there's a part where 
they fabricate the story. But I think, I don't know, part of me would imagine that today we're more concerned with the story because things happen so fast yeah. and people forget about it really quickly. Whereas back then, if you wrote something Slow. down, you would want to make sure that you're at least telling the truth. But yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Humans are messed up. Yeah, and things mo- did move slower. They did move slower. You know, slower. you couldn't, um, I mean, here you can start an Instagram account and you could be famous in a month, theoretically. And you could be telling a story that's a complete lie, too. Yeah, just taking selfies when you want to, but not showing the, the real stuff. Yeah. And I don't think people had as much opportunity back then. Yeah. And so... Um, they didn't have definitely went back went then. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't have Jack... And you can, you know, communicate with somebody from Yemen to England. You can just call them up and be like, hey, can you lower my coffee prices? Yeah, right. You had to spend months and months. I mean, people would send out ships probably not knowing what they were really going to pay for the product when they got there. And when they got there, they're like, well, we have to pay because we can't go back empty handed. And that kind of, you know, begs the question, well, did the Dutch want to start growing their own coffee because they were paying too much or was there a supply issue? Could the Yemen's not produce as much as they wanted? And so they're like, hey, we, we have to take control of our supply because we're not getting enough of it. Yeah, well, I imagine that coffee was such a big hit in Europe. You know, it's a, it's a, it was more densely populated, you know. Um, There's a lot of demand. I mean, they wouldn't be sending ships out to trade if there wasn't demand for the products that they were bringing back. So yeah. you've got highly dense populations. Um, but I, I think too, like a part of it was probably um, for control. You know, they went and they planted it on a colony on an island that they decided to conquer, you know. Yeah. Um, they vertically integrated. Yep. They absolutely. said, we're going to take, take it all. Yeah. And then, you know, from Java, they took it to Sumatra. They took it to all the islands in that area. There's a couple others that I, I just don't know the name of. But um, all of those Oceania and Indonesian islands um, that were controlled by the Dutch and the English, um, that, col- that colonial era where Europe was sending out ships all over to just take... It was basically a big land grab. Um, you know, they were planting coffee, and it was propagating, and they were trying to spread it. Um, and the same thing happened when coffee came to America. Um, there was a whole story. This was in uh, the 1720s. Um, this guy named Matthew de Clue, he was a French, uh, I don't know what they call him. He was a merchant marine. And somehow in the course of, of coffee history, the, uh, they got the, you know, they started it with Java, proliferated mm. in the in- Indonesian islands and the Pacific islands. Um, and then somebody got it back to France. So they smuggled a seedling back to France and oh, then wow. to other parts of Europe, different, you know, royalties wanted a coffee plant because it was so exotic and so like yeah. desirable and, and, um, the, the coffee was just exploding in Europe at the time. So they got a plant, they had it in Paris and this guy, Matthew de Clue was, um, essentially hired to transport, um, a coffee seedling to um, an island in the Caribbean, which I'm totally spacing on the name because I didn't write it down. Is it like Jamaica or something? No, it's like, it starts with an M. Martin. 
Montenegro. Mar- Martinique. Martinique? Yep, Martinique. Oh, wow. Um, <coughs> so he he got hired to take it to Martinique. And I think he, it was 1722, 1723 when he finally did it. There was the first voyage in 1717. That failed. The seedling died. And then there was this big old drama on his second voyage in 1722. He sailed across the Atlantic on the way to Martinique going through the doldrums, um, which is on the equator. There's a, an area on either side of the equator where the wind kind of dies down. Mm. And so if you're crossing the equator, you kind of can't get through. Yeah, it's, it just slows down and it's a big pain. They were running out of water and like, you know, potable drinking water. And this guy, Matthew DeClue, gave up his water ration to feed the, the tree, se- to feed the, dre- the seedling, the coffee seedling. And then they make it through the doldrums and then they get attacked by a pirate ship. And that was the whole thing. And then they're almost there. I could be mixing up the order too, but they're at somewhere along the journey. A lot of stuff went down. A lot of stuff went down. But there was a guy on the ship who was jealous that Matthew's name was going to be recorded instead of his. And this guy was like, oh, whatever. So he he ripped a branch off the seedling trying to kill it. Crazy, crazy drama over a coffee plant. Yeah. Anyways, finally make it to Martinique in 1723. And... Five years later, was it five years later? Maybe ten years later. Anyways, they, they get the plant there, they plant it, and X number of years later that I don't know, I want to say five, maybe ten, maybe more, maybe like 50 years later, I could be way off. But a good gap goes on, yeah. and then they, they have a 1.8 million coffee plants on oh this island. Oh my gosh. And... Uh, Worth it. Legend has it that most coffee in Latin, Central, South America comes from this seedling that this guy, Matthew DeClue, oh, wow. brought to Martinique in 1723. We're not video recording this podcast yet, but um, we will be in the future. So I have to paint a picture here for you guys. Everything Eric just said was from his head. He was... Um, he rem- he remembered all that except how to say Martinique, so he did look <laughs> that up. But um, this is what we are. You know, this is what we do. The other day, I was serving a customer in the coffee shop, and he asked me, like, four or five questions, and they kind of begged long answers. And so I spent a lot of time talking to him about how to make better coffee at home. And at the end, he pulled out his wallet and said, what do I owe you? And I, and I said, oh, didn't you already pay? And he said, no, but what do I owe you for all this stuff you just told me? Like, I, I want to pay you. Can I just give you some money? And I said, dude, no. I mean, I almost started crying because I was just so moved by his humility that, hey, what you do is not without value. And, you know, of course, I, I denied him. And I said, dude this is what we do. Like, this is what we love. And we know a lot about it because we love it. Not because whatever reason, Yeah. fill in the blank. You know, we, we love coffee. We love the history. We love what it did to people. We love that people like, like that captain McClue were just passionate about fulfilling their mission. Totally. And that for those of you don't know, that's a huge part of our story. And it's, it's really Eric's, passion of sailing that's brought a lot of that into 
like our narrative I that, about that. <laughs> yeah just like being valiant is what pretty much every sailor had to do because it was scary af to go out there in the ocean and not know what was waiting for them so we'll probably get into a little bit more of that yeah, in the future for sure but i think for now that's a it's a good way to wrap it up um yeah we love what we do. We love coffee, and we're excited to share with you, and we're stoked to have this podcast. And uh, you can probably expect, maybe I'll do a sub-episode where I just read the story from William H. Euchre's book, because he has it written down. It's called, the, I think it's called, like, The Romance of Matthew DeClue or something, or The oh, Drama awesome. of Matthew DeClue. It's, it's pretty silly, but I like it. So maybe one of these days I'll record that. As just its own podcast. It's amazing to think that after a hundred years, we're still talking about the same things that William H. Euchers did. You know, he wrote that book almost a hundred years ago. Yeah, 1922. Published. He are. wrote it before then and published oh, it in 1922. Yeah. You know, so like there you go. And the story that he wrote about happened 200 years before that. Yeah. And 200 years before that, it was beginning to be traded in Yemen. And a thousand years before that is when Kaldi found it first. In the 800s? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyways. Which is nuts. Coffee has a long history. Yeah. And uh, one tiny lesson to leave you guys with is write down what you're doing. Because Kali didn't write it down, so we don't really know if he even existed. Um, that's just an or an oratory? Mm, yeah. I think. What do you call it? Yeah. When they... You know that's that totally was their culture. On it right now. They're just telling stories, right? Yeah, an oral history. Oral history. Boom. Sorry. Schooled. Yeah, we need more coffee. But yeah, oral history is great, and it's definitely something your kids and your grandkids remember is your stories. But if you want to be remembered, write some stuff down and let people know what your thoughts are, because you may have something like Caldi where you discover something incredible. And you don't even know it at the time. I'm sure he didn't know what he discovered. Yeah. Um, but you might discover something amazing within yourself or within this world. And to share it with other people, write it down. And they'll remember it. Totally. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in Till our next podcast. Cheers. And drink Cheers. valiant. Be valiant. Be valiant. Be excellent. Be, oh, yeah. This is the Be Excellent podcast, not the Be Valiant pod. Yeah. They're wrapped up into one. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Oh, last thing we want to plug. Uh, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends. Uh, we'll be posting it on Spotify, iTunes, podca- I- iPodcast. What do they call it? I- Pod- Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. That's what it's called. Um, you can find it there. We'll have it on the website. Um, and then you can find uh, links to this stuff all over our Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Um, but go to valiantcoffee.com, www.valiantcoffee.com. You can call us anytime, call or text us, 916-800-7575. Um, that's our business line, or you can text us there, and we can text you right back. So Boom. thanks for listening. Drink Valiant. Be excellent. <laughs>